Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com code SUPER24. Arsenal return to winning ways in the Premier League. Zinchenko stars and Arteta praises VAR. There's plenty to come on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Let's go. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90-min football family at the match review coming a little bit later this week. Um, just because I spent yesterday uh, morning recovering from a big night out and uh, yesterday afternoon flying back from uh, Bratislava, at Slovakia. I was out there on a stag do slash bachelor party. So I wasn't at the Emirates um, on Saturday afternoon, but I did manage to find a good old Irish pub in the center of Bratislava uh, to sit down and take the game in. I was saying to my mates when we were out on this trip that wherever you are in the world, if you're looking for English football, if you're looking for somewhere nice and chilled to go and sit down, have a couple of drinks and take in the beautiful game, look no further than an Irish pub because there is one absolutely everywhere in the world. Everywhere you go, there is an Irish pub. And if you go and find an Irish pub, you're bound to find the sport that you want to watch as well. So um, yeah, the Dubliner pub in Slovakia, if anybody ever finds themselves out in Bratislava looking for a Premier League game, that is the place to be. Um, and it was really good fun. You know, we pitched up from around about at 12.30. So just before the Tottenham Hotspur game, kicked off. Uh, there were a few Tottenham fans among us as well, uh, which made it an interesting watch, should we put it that way. Um, I have to say, I did jump up and nearly spill my drink when Wolves equalised, and then when they found the second as well. So, um, you know, at the time it seemed like a good idea, but then all that did was add pressure on me being literally the only Arsenal fan in the place um, when uh, when Arsenal kicked off, and particularly when Burnley found that equaliser, let's just say I got some stick. Um, but yeah, anyway, look, we'll get into the game itself. Uh, this is going to be a slightly shorter edition of the show because I do have to run off uh, to central London to the 90 min studio 
uh, for today's 90 min show. But we're going to be back later on today with the debrief as well. So um, any questions that you guys have, any other subjects that you want to touch on, get into, we'll be able to do that later on today. So you won't have to wait too long. Uh, the uh, the debrief, as I say, uh, this week's edition coming out uh, a little bit later on today. Uh, let me say a few quick hellos. Uh, hello to Tom. Uh, we've got Yon Tora. Uh, in there, we've got Zebik, we've got Scott joining us from Melbourne, we've got Glenn, uh, Ron, Afsar's with us, Osuo is with us. Uh, big hello to the Wandering Minstrel and Graham, who joins us from Andros as well. I uh, hope you're well, Graham. hope you're having a great time. I can imagine it's much warmer uh, over there than it is here this morning, uh, or indeed it was in Bratislava, where I was absolutely freezing, by the way, in the evenings. Daytime, not too bad, but the evenings, oh God, it was cold. Anyway, uh, no more uh, small talk. Let's... Um, Let's focus on that victory. Arsenal back to winning ways in the Premier League after disappointment at St. James's Park last time out. Of course, the Gunners won in Europe in between, which helped uh, and uh, managed to uh, pick up the mood again around the place. This was a game that was seen as a routine three points. Burnley at home, a side that a lot of people expect to be relegated. Um, and, uh, you know, you looked across the fixtures, you looked at the fact that City were away to Chelsea, you looked at the fact that Spurs had just dropped points and you thought there was a real need, an opportunity for Arsenal to to come away with maximum points here. And at that point, I don't think you care too much about the performance. I think you, you're so focused on getting the three points that you will take anything. The goal in off of someone's backside would do. But anyway, uh, thankfully, it wasn't that. So let's get into uh, the story of the game. <laughs> So in terms of team news uh, going into this one, Leandro Trossard continued up front instead of Eddie and Ketia, having scored versus Sevilla in the week. And Ben White's absence through injury meant that Tommy Asu switched to the right-hand side of the defence, paving the way for Alexander Zinchenko to return to the starting eleven. Now, in terms of the first half performance, I actually thought we played quite well. You know, we dominated as you'd expect. We created some opportunities. They weren't always clear-cut, but I thought, that what I saw from Arsenal was encouraging enough for me at no point really to be too stressed about the direction in which this game was going. Um, what I will say is I'll give Burnley some credit because I think that they're a side that have been labelled as very soft-centred, easy to get at, easy to break down since their promotion back to the Premier League. Many people have been critical, myself included, of uh, Vincent Company's style, not because it's a bad style or... Um, because it is an admirable to want to play football in the right way. I, I always admire managers to do that. But I think when you're a club like Burnley, surely the goal is to survive. And surely you stand a better chance of doing that if you not completely change your style, but tweak it and adapt it. And in this first, what, 12 weeks of the season, I don't think I've seen enough from Vincent Company in terms of wanting to try and adapt and wanting to, or realising that actually... You know, we might not be able to do what we set out to do. We might not be able to achieve survival playing this way. So on the one hand, you look at it and you go, it's great, it sticks to his principles. Everybody loves a principal coach, all the rest of it. But at the same time, you think that their chances, I do anyway, will be significantly reduced in terms of survival if they don't tweak something, change something. Um, so, so praise to them, because I thought in the first half, although we did create some opportunities, they had a good opportunity um, as well. Um, in the first half uh, that forced a great save out of David Raya down to his left-hand side. I thought this was a different Burnley. This was a Burnley that did try 
um, to, to change things. And, and I kind of went into the game not concerned really at all because I thought they'd come out and they'd attack us in the way that Burnley do under Vincent Company, and that would leave spaces and enough spaces for a team of our quality to be able to uh, find goals, punish them, etc., etc. So Burnley, yeah, they changed it. Um, they tweaked it, I would say, uh, more than changed it. But it worked to good effect in that first half. And then, of course, right on the stroke of half time, Leandro Trossard breaks the deadlock uh, with what was a really, really brave goal, actually. Uh, the ball came in from the left-hand side, Zinchenko's crossing to the box. Um, Bukayo Saka managed to keep it alive, realised he probably wasn't going to be able to work the goalkeeper and just kind of stood it up at the far post, just, you know, putting it into a dangerous area. In comes Leandro Trossard and he knows the minute he takes off to try and get on the end of that ball that he's going to smash into the post. He knows that. And, you know, although people say, oh, football's gone soft and all the rest of it. And, you know, this is the bare minimum that we should expect from players, et cetera, et cetera, you know, putting their bodies on the line, all the rest of it. I still think it takes a certain level of commitment and bravery to go up for a ball that you know is going to result in you then smashing into the post and potentially doing damage. And I have to say that when the goal went in, although I was, I'm not going to say relieved because I wasn't at the point where I was panicking just yet. But although I was pleased, that was kind of overshadowed a bit by the fact that Zinchenko, looked, Zinchenko, Trossard, I beg your pardon, looked in a lot of pain. I really worried that he'd done some serious damage there. So I was delighted when he picked himself up off of the ground um, and uh, and sort of got on with it. But as I say, I know from sort of reading through Twitter at half time and uh, from sort of you know, messaging some friends during the first half. I know that a lot of people were concerned and worried prior to that goal going in about whether or not Arsenal were going to be able to find the breakthrough against this uh, against this Burnley side. And I have to say, I've come to trust this team. I've come to trust this team in that I think that they give away so much less now in terms of opportunities at the other end. Um, you know, we we seem to be really, really solid at this moment in time, generally speaking. And as a result of that, you kind of trust that we're going to get at least enough opportunities or that one opportunity that it takes um, to be able to, uh, to to make the difference. And and so, yeah, you know, had we not scored prior to halftime, I don't think my analysis of the first half would have been any different. I don't think I've been, I'd have been sitting there stewing over it. I don't think I'd have been stressing about it. I think I was pretty content with the fact that we were performing quite well at the time. Um, we were creating opportunities and it felt like it was just a matter of time before we were going to eventually break that deadlock. But then, of course, on 54 minutes, things took a bit of a turn. And I have to say, although, again, I wasn't overly panicked at this point, it was a bit of a concern to see Arsenal concede the equalising goal uh, the way that they did. There was some appeals uh, for a foul on Tommy Asu. And, um, you know, there was a lot of suggestions that, you know, from sort of people I was speaking to at that time saying, well, you know, Arsenal are going to get this one because they didn't get the one up at Newcastle last week. No, I th I think credit where credit's due. I think the decision to allow that goal to stand was spot on. And listen, Mikel Arteta is the first person to say that I look at ourselves first. You know, I look at what we can do better first. That is the main, the main thing, right? Don't get obsessed by um, VAR decisions, you know, when they are, you know, on the edge like that. When they're clear and obvious, then it becomes frustrating and you can understand why he went on that angry tirade last weekend. And for all the people that have come out and criticised Mikel Arteta for that, there's been a load of people that have said it's totally understandable as well. 
And um, you look at that goal, you look at the way it came about. As I say, hint of a foul on Takahiro Tomiyasu. But for me, he's just got to be stronger. You know, you're a big old guy. You know, you're a big defender. You're a powerful defender. You're someone who's been in impeccable form over the past few weeks. You've just simply got to do better there. So there's no point in um, going overboard on it. There's no point in, in whinging about it. There's no point in, you know, spending an awful lot of time after that goal goes in appealing. The truth is, I think, you know, although, you know, you might not admit it publicly and you certainly wouldn't admit it in the moment, Takiro Tomiyasu will look back at that and he'll be very disappointed in himself. He'll know that he can do better. Then, of course, when the ball uh, ends up breaking to, um, I think it was Josh Brown here on the edge of the box and his shot um, is taken towards goal. It does take a deflection that wrong foots David Raya, who I don't think can do anything about it. Um, and so, you know, I know that there's this want on some people's part at the moment to over-scrutinise and, and sort of over-analyse every performance that David Raya puts in and any mistakes that they think he's made. But he's not culpable here, uh, not for a second. But again, as, I, as I've already said, I, I didn't stress at that point. You know, I thought, ah, this is a bit of a setback. There's plenty of time to go. You know, it's the best part of, what, 40 minutes, if you include the stoppage time, that was likely to be added on remaining. Arsenal can go out there and Arsenal can find that second goal. And, and as I say, it goes back to the first half performance. There were moments where we created opportunities. There were um, situations that we created where if we were a bit sharper, if we made the right decisions, we might well have found that breakthrough earlier. So to me, this wasn't a panic point. And three minutes later, that kind of stance um, of being relaxed and chilled about it was was justified because William Saliba pops up inside the six-yard box uh, to put Arsenal back in front from a corner. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Arsenal's threat from set pieces over the last couple of seasons. And every time you're watching a game on Sky, for example, you get that stat pop up on the screen. Most goals from set pieces since whatever date. And Arsenal are always uh, at the top of that conversation and at the top of that discussion because we've improved significantly in that department over the years. But I thought it was really, really interesting, actually, yesterday the strategy that Arsenal adopt from adopted from corners. We we see them um, do different things now. We see them, you know, benefiting from what's clearly a far more detailed training plan around these things. Everybody seems to be well rehearsed, understands exactly what's coming, where the ball's likely to be dropped into the penalty area. Um, sometimes we see players gather at the far post and the ball's whipped into that area. At times, we've seen people make a dart towards the near post. What we saw on Saturday was Arsenal looking to drop the ball literally underneath James Trafford's crossbar at every opportunity. Clearly, they'd identified something with the way that he keeps goal, um, with the way that Burnley defend these set pieces. Maybe Arsenal felt they had superiority. And so if they could get the ball that close to the goal, um, you know, having those those giants in Gabriel and Saliba, you know, who are likely to get on the end of things if they're right close to goal, then, you know, the likelihood of them scoring is higher. But in order to be able to do that and in order to, to sort of feel and believe that that's the way to go, you've got to believe that your players are definitely going to come out on top. And Arsenal clearly had identified that as a weakness with Vincent Company's side, as I say, because they kept on putting it into those areas. If you watch the game back, which I have since, you'll see that every corner pretty much on the day 
was placed in that type of area. And obviously we got our benefit from it, not just once, but twice, because the Zinchenko goal later on came from a situation initially that was created by us putting the ball in exactly the same area. Saliba pops up, you know, wins the header, very powerful, doesn't need to power the header because, as I say, he's so close to goal. It's, it's a very easy finish for him. Um, but yeah, um, I, I sort of, you know, felt justified in my calm uh, demeanour uh, at the point that Burnley, of course, went and found that equalising goal. And it was William Saliba's first Premier League goal of the season. And he's been in immense form uh, so far. So, um, you know, that was uh, certainly just reward. We're going to talk about individual performances in a little bit. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then on 74 minutes, as I mentioned, another corner uh, put into a very, very similar area comes off the crossbar and when it lands around about the edge of the penalty area, who pops up? Oleksandr Zinchenko, who was probably Arsenal's best performer on the day. And again, we're going to do individual performances in a few minutes. So we'll elaborate on that a little bit further. But what an effort that is for someone who just doesn't score goals. Not only the technique for the finish, you know, we always talk about what a great technician Oleksandr Zinchenko is, but the way he sort of leaps up off the ground and hits it was, was beautiful to watch. I think it was something that a confident Zinchenko does, whereas a Zinchenko of three or four weeks ago probably doesn't do that. And I think he had the confidence to take that effort on the way he did because everybody knew, he knew more than anybody, because you do, don't you, that he'd had an excellent, excellent game. So that rounded it off, that finished it off, that put Arsenal into a position where they were going to go on and win the game. It was clear at that point. It was comfortable at that point. And, um, yeah, you know, that that was the, the three points sealed, as I say. And it's interesting because we've spoken quite a bit, I think, over the last um, year and a half about where Arsenal's strengths lay. And, and one of the things that we repeatedly talked about was the fact that we seem to have been able to spread goals across the team. You know, whether it be, um, you know, midfielders contributing, defenders contributing, you know, the wingers, 15 each last season, Odegaard, 15 as well in the league you're talking about here. and. Um, yeah, it, it, it just it, it's a it's a really important thing that when you don't have that prolific number nine that's going to score you 25, 30 goals, which as great as Gabby Jesus is, as good as Eddie Nketiah can be, and as effective as Leandro Trossard can be in that false nine position, we just don't have that, do we? So to be able to get goals from different areas of the team is really important. It's been a key part of our success. And on a day like this, where maybe, you know, the, the finishing wasn't quite up to the standard it should have been with regards to the forward players. And on a day where we were without Jesus, where we were without Martin Odegaard, two of our back four pop up and, and make vital contributions, putting you in a position whereby uh, you can then uh, go on and win a football match. Just on uh, Fabio Vieira's red card, uh, no complaints um, from me, none whatsoever. Um, Arteta ignored him as he went down the tunnel, which I thought was interesting. He clearly wasn't happy with the fact that Fabio Vieira at that moment in time made what was a needless challenge really put us down to not just 10 men, but leaves us in a position now where he will be suspended while we still got Odegaard, Jesus and Emil Smith-Rowe out. It's, it's just not ideal, is it? And it's a rush of blood to the head from Fabio Vieira. I don't think there's any malice in it. I don't think he's trying to do the player, as people sometimes put it. Um, I just think it's, you know, just a bit mindless. And and that's what it is. Mindless, needless, however you want to put it. And, you know, he protested his innocence. But uh, having seen the replays, I don't think the referees um, on duty that day had any choice, really, but to show him the red card. 
interesting as well um, that Mikel Arteta uh, then felt uh, the need to kind of talk about VAR after the game. He wasn't asked any questions uh, about it, by the way. He took it upon himself to bring up the fact that he thought the VAR uh, was very effective today, that it it did a good job, um, that he was happy with the decisions or at least satisfied, content with them, shall we say. Um, and, and that was interesting because Mikel Arteta clearly has been hurt, frustrated by some of the responses to his outburst last weekend. There has been, as I say, as much support for his outburst as there was condemnation from uh, from some in the media over the last week or so. And I think that he wanted to make the point that he doesn't just sit there and moan every single week. Obviously, it's easier to be more humble in a situation like that when you've just won the match and won it quite comfortably. But yeah, I just think for me, um, you know, it was good to see that. I love that Mikel Arteta's got that bit of needle. Um, you know, some people are not, big fans of the whole siege mentality thing. I think it gives you something. I really do. Not just from a playing perspective, but from a fan perspective as well. I don't know about you guys, but when I go to a game and I feel an injustice and I feel like people are against us, I'm more motivated to get behind the team in a more vocal fashion. I've certainly found that over the years. In fact, the amount of times I've been at Emirates Stadium, thought the atmosphere was a little bit dead and a little bit flat, seen a questionable refereeing decision um, go against us, and then watch that spark the crowd is unbelievable. So I do think there is something in that. And I think Mikel Arteta was right to make the point that he did and um, essentially stick it to those that have spent the entire week um, because they lack imagination in a lot of cases uh, when it comes to finding things to talk about. I've just been going at him for what feels like a, a trivial matter, really. Anyway, uh, going to take a really, really short break and then I'm going to do some player ratings before we sign off. Remember, we'll be back a little bit later on today as well with the debrief here on the Chronicles of Aguna. So if you've got any questions, save them for that uh, just because we are a little bit pushed for time this morning. But let's take that short pause and then it's player ratings. Okay, we're going to run through the starting 11 that beat Burnley at the weekend. Let's start with David Ryan. I'm going to give him a 7 out of 10. For his performance on Saturday, I thought he made that really, really good save in the first half. And I thought everything else he did was pretty much uh, spot on, you know, looked assured, can't pin any of the blame on him with regards to the goal that Burnley scored. So I won't be doing that. Um, but yeah, seven out of 10, I think is about right for David Raya. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu, I'm going to give him a five. I know that might sound a little bit harsh in some people's opinions, but I can't get past the fact that for the goal, he needed to do so, so much better. I don't think um, he was massively effective going forward. I think he's proven himself to be more effective for some reason when he attacks from the left-hand side. Um, obviously, he was moved over because of Ben White's absence. We've, we've since learned that he had some sort of injury and we're hoping that that's not a serious problem. The injuries are hitting us hard at the moment. But yeah, I can't get past um, the goal and the fact that Tommy Asu really ought to have done a lot better. William Saliba, I'm going to give him an eight because once again, not only did he defend uh, superbly and prove his credentials now as a real world-class defender, but he also popped up and scored a goal at a really, really important time for us, I thought, in the game. So eight for Saliba. Gabriel, seven, solid as always. Not really much to add to that. I just thought, um, you know, he, he was solid as a rock again in the heart of the defence. Um, yeah, you know, the deflection, I think, comes off him uh, when Brownhill takes a shot and that results in the Burnley goal. But what's he to do there? You know, he's trying to block the shot. 
going through on goal. These things happen. Zinchenko, I'm going to give him an eight and a half because I thought he was probably, in fact, he was definitely Arsenal's man of the match. Not only did he score that wonderful goal, it was his cross that Saka managed to keep alive in the build-up for Arsenal's opener. In terms of progressive passes, he produced more of those um, than most people would. Um, You know, I thought he he was brilliant technically, brilliant on the ball, brilliant in his role in terms of stepping inside. And what I think this performance did for Alexander Zinchenko at a time where he's got a bit of stick and a bit of um, criticism, just it it really just highlighted to me and, and I think to a lot of people why Mikel Arteta values him so much, why he was brought into the side and why he managed to establish himself as one of our key figures last season. Has his form dropped off a little bit lately? Yeah, it has. Have people sussed out that Zinchenko is a bit of a weak link defensively for Arsenal? Yeah, it looks like they have. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have other qualities. And I think we saw all of those uh, on display. Um, Moving into midfield, let's go to Jorginho. Seven out of ten for me. Um, I'm enjoying his performances alongside Declan Rice. I really am. I think, as I've said uh, previously, Declan Rice's skill set complements Jorginho's in that what Jorginho lacks, Declan Rice has in an abundance. And as a result of that, they kind of make a pretty good pairing. I still prefer to see Thomas Partey in there, of course. Um, you know, I, I'd still like to see that midfield of Partey, Rice and Odegaard. Although, you know, we're hearing suggestions that Partey could be out until the new year. So there's not really much chance of us seeing that uh, in the near future. But um yeah, I, I enjoyed you, Jorginho's performances in there alongside Rice, and I enjoyed his performance again at the weekend. Um, Kai Havertz, this is an interesting one, and you know it's interesting because um, Steve Barrow says, uh, looking forward to Havertz's rating, which means you're all waiting for this one, or a lot of you are anyway. Um, I mean, I was a little bit torn on this um, because initially I gave him a seven. Um, you know, I don't think he was any worse than Jorginho, for example, in terms of what he did. I don't think he was worse than uh, Raya in terms of what he was meant to do and and how he executed it. Um, That's what I initially gave him in my head. Having watched the game back again, I'm going to downgrade it, I think, to a six and a half. Uh, Because I think although there were some good things um, and some good moments, I, I still think he just he just lacks that confidence, man. He, he just lacks that confidence to be able to take things on that in the past he would have done and be that difference maker. I think in terms of work rate, we're there. I think we're there. I think we are there in terms of work rate with Kai Havertz. I think we're there in terms of the way he puts himself about. I think he's starting more and more to understand the role that he's been required to play. I don't think he was as good as he was in midweek against Sevilla. Um, so I'm going to give him a six and a half. Um, it, it does feel, as Afsar says in the chat, that he's not really having the rub of the green at the moment. But what I will say is this, there is progress there. Now, granted, sometimes you have to look a bit harder than we'd like to see it, but there is certainly um, some progress there. Moving on, uh, Declan Rice, going to give him a seven and a half because Declan Rice, even when he doesn't have his best game, um, it, it's just incredible. He's key. He helps our balance. He helps us in so many ways. Again, don't think it was his best, best game. Um, but seven and a half on an average day for Declan Rice is about right, isn't it? Uh, Bukayo Saka, uh, I'm going to give him a seven. Uh, I thought he did really, really well to keep Zinni's cross alive for the opener and uh, and went close in the first half with a brilliant effort that was tipped onto the bar. But he's still not 
vintage Bukayo Saka, is it? He was better in midweek and, you know, maybe there was particular attention paid to him by Burnley. I don't know. Um, but I couldn't push myself to give him more than a seven. Martinelli, the same, relentless in the way he attacks, lots and lots of energy. But did he have the impact that I'd have hoped? Not necessarily, but by no means. A bad game, so seven for him. Uh, and Leandro Trossard, I'm going to give him an eight. Uh, scored the opener. Very, very brave uh, in uh, the way he attacked that ball. You have to accept, though, I think, with Leandro Trossard, that sometimes when he plays as a false nine, he's not going to get on the ball as much as he'd like or as much as we'd like him to. And the fact that Leandro Trossard sometimes plays there and at times in that stages in games looks isolated makes me feel like sometimes we're a little bit harsh on Enketia when he's on the peripheries of a game because he's playing in that role. I just don't think any of them can play that role anywhere near the level that Jesus does. And if he's the one that you're marking them against, then of course they're going to look like lesser players. But I think Trossard did a good job, scored the goal, scored in midweek as well. You know, it's two starts, two goals. I, I don't really know what else you can ask from Leandro Trossard playing in that position at the moment. Um, for me, in Jesus's absence on current form, that position is his. And I probably would have a week ago said play Kai Havertz there. I probably did say that. You know, I probably would have been a, a lot more open-minded about the Trossard versus Nketiah debate. But right now, I think Trossard's showing that, that he deserves to be in that position. So those are my player ratings. Let me just run through those one more time for you. Raya, seven. Tomiyasu, five. Saliba, eight. Gabriel, seven. Zinchenko, eight and a half. Jorginho, seven. Havertz, six and a half. Downgraded from a seven. Rice, seven and a half. Saka, seven. Martinelli, seven. Trossard, eight. Those are my player ratings. Then from uh, Saturday's game. Uh, again, apologies uh, for the delay in getting this episode out. I was away, as I said. Uh, which made it a little bit difficult for me. Do you know what? If I'm being honest, I I went on a stag do. I didn't even take my laptop with me. Um, I always knew that I was going to do it a, a little bit later. I thought I might do it last night, but I just was not in the right state. Um, very, very tired after a couple of days of hardly any sleep, way too much alcohol and um, and lots of partying and fun. Um, but hey, um, you only live once, right? So you've got to make the most of it. Anyway, um, we're going to leave it there uh, for this episode and we're going to be back later with a debrief. There'll be more Arsenal chat in the debrief, but we'll also focus on some of the other stories from the Premier League. We'll look back, for example, on that uh, cracker between Chelsea and Manchester City at Stamford Bridge. Does Arsenal's point at the bridge look like a good point now? We'll discuss that. We'll also talk about Ange Postacoglu's Tottenham because uh, they were beaten again twice in a week. Oh, what a shame. Uh, we'll get onto all of that uh, a little bit later on on the debrief. I'll catch you later. Until then, take care of yourselves, guys. All the best. 